Our world is shrinking, business is global, and points of the planet can be connected at the drop of a hat. But for some, travel is about more than the destination. Rather than fixate on arrival, true thought leaders know that traveling provides a space in which the greatest ideas take hold, and the greatest opportunities can be found. Instead of plugging in and tuning out at 30,000 feet, they turn to the window and engage with the world. So pack your bags and join us to explore. I'm Daphne Carnesis, and this is What Moves You with Remova. Today, we'll be meeting design duo Edward Barber and Jay Oscarby. Since 1996, they've worked on the cutting edge of design and used travel as an enduring source of inspiration. These beautiful things are sold all over the world, but that whole relationship was serendipitous in a way, and it would not have happened had I not been on holiday in Japan. And we'll hear from an architect whose competition-winning proposal engaged deeply with the materiality of the world's most iconic overland journey, the Trans-Siberian Express. The challenge is always to look for opportunities where you can add something which is quite unique. That's all to come on What Moves You, with iconic luxury luggage brand Ramoa and Monocle 24. Edward Barber and Jay Oscarby have been running their eponymous design studio since 1996. Their collaborative practice is born from a shared sensibility, an eagerness to rethink each project on its own terms. From Vitra seating solutions, exploring the future of shared workspaces, to kinetic public sculptures designed to draw focus to energy sources of the future, Barbara Oscarby has established itself as a progressive design studio, unwilling to rest on its laurels. We're always trying to be out of a comfort zone because when you're designing a product or a piece of furniture, our ambition is to have a high level of innovation, hopefully even a new material. And if you've got that, there's a certain level of uncertainty about what you're doing. And I think we've always felt that when we finally produce or launch a product, if we're not quite sure about it, that's kind of a good thing. You never want to be super comfortable about anything in design. That's Edward Barber. Even as the duo's reputation has grown, however, they've kept both feet on the ground, even while racking up air miles. For travel, truly, is at the heart of what they do. Here's Jay Oscarby. Uh, travel had a hell of a lot for work, and actually increasingly more and more with the family as well, travelling around on holidays, exploring places, and that kind of thing. A lot of it is about being away from out of context and having everything just sort of stopped and suspended so you can actually think freely without interruption. As Edward explains, this removal of context, leaving the hustle and bustle of the studio and ongoing projects, is where you can find the designers at their most productive. We do often travel to remote places so that we can actually have space to think, to brainstorm and design. And the thing is, you can be very productive in the studio, but primarily it's about getting through projects that have already been started. But to get the really new ideas, new concepts, I always find it easier to be in a space that's completely calm, usually by water, and certainly fresh air. Beyond providing thinking space, travel satisfies the partner's hunger for discovery. As designers, the two are always on duty, engaging with their surroundings and filtering visual information, even on holiday. Once I was on, a, on holiday in Japan, I went to visit Ozeki, which is a lantern, paper lantern manufacturer who make the Noguchi lamps, the Kari lamps. 
And I got talking to the owner and I said, would you be interested in potentially working with a European designer? And after some quite lengthy discussions, we've ended up working together now for probably five or six years and we've developed this fantastic relationship. And what's so great about it is that they are, well, certainly in my opinion, the best lantern makers in the world and they're a real craft and they use locally sourced materials and they produce to the highest quality possible quality. Mastery is really the, the art of perfection, I think. And for me, when I see a craftsperson working in whatever material, from wood to silver, silver smithing or to paper lanterns, you can see the passion and the sort of energy. And you can see that those years and years that they've dedicated to training to be able to do these things perfectly are just coming to the forefront. And that's, for me, incredibly exciting. But that whole relationship was serendipitous in a way, and it would not have happened had I not been on holiday in Japan. Jay Oscarby recently undertook the epic rail journey from Moscow to Beijing, the Trans-Siberian Express. It offered a meditative perspective on materiality as the train swept him through the Siberian taiga. I took a train, a very long distance train journey from Moscow to Beijing through Siberia. What was amazing about that was, you know, three days of trees. The Siberian forests are, I think, are roughly the same size as the Amazon. And it's just endless birch trees. And it's completely untouched. I actually think I spent most of the time looking out the window again. I mean... I know it's kind of endless tree sounds really boring, but it isn't because it might just as well be going through time, the train, at times. I mean, you just there's nothing, there's just nothing, and miles, thousands and thousands of miles of nothing, trees. Amidst those thousands of miles, however, is a desire for something. Omid Kamvari is the founder of London-based architecture practice Kamvari Architects. He won a competition with his groundbreaking designs for a series of Siberian retreats to be placed alongside the route of the world's longest railway line. Here, he explains how he envisioned his designs working in harmony with the journey they were intended to punctuate. For us as architects, I guess travel goes hand in hand with design and discovery to a certain extent. I think it's part and parcel of the process for designing. There's only so much you can discover through desktop research. So being there and experiencing all sorts of conditions, whether it's smell, light, all sorts of atmospherics, is a great opportunity to understand how spaces really work. The challenge is always to look for opportunities where you can add something which is quite unique. So you start to look for things in the local region that really interest you and you tend to find them and that kind of comes down to your taste, all the traveling that you've done. For us, the process starts, and I think as an office, we're quite interested in vernacular and local building strategies and the kind of stuff that gets built over history. So there's a long period of understanding and iterations, which means they're somewhat optimized towards this specific climate. The one thing that really pops up is timber cabins that they've constructed out in the wilderness which have got these wonderful silhouettes and are constructed from these raw materials which are locally sourced. We wanted to make these things quite unique in terms of where they sat. So the idea was that, yes, you're going to travel along thousands of kilometres of railway, 
And having four or five of these unique cabins along the way would always be a constant reminder. We were going for something which you would recognize in terms of the silhouette and the link to the local materials and the overall form with a bit of a twist, which would actually make that object or form stick in your mind. So as you traveled along the line, you'd constantly see it. And then a certain level of intrigue would hopefully be created within you to kind of discover more about these things. There's something quite wonderful about sitting in the same position and experiencing different climatic conditions, experiencing different cultures, experiencing all the wonderful things that are happening along that railway, all the different kinds of landscapes that would be the backdrop to this cabin that somehow has to respond to. Architect Omid Kamvari there, explaining how he drew inspiration from the materials, tradition and landscape of the Trans-Siberian Railway to arrive at his competition-winning designs. Barbara Oscarby's schedule sees them make a trip abroad weekly, if not more. For the duo, these simply facilitate and expand their visual curiosity and designers' palettes. They travel for work commitments, but the real work takes place constantly as they maximise opportunities to widen their pool of inspiration and deepen the philosophy that underpins their design studio. If we're travelling to Asia or the US, then we'll almost certainly go for quite a few days and therefore there's always going to be some time to visit a gallery or an architectural masterpiece or whatever it might be. So I was in Mexico recently and I had the opportunity to go to quite a few of the Barragan houses. What was interesting was that one of them that I visited was still lived in by the owner who commissioned the house and I think it was commissioned in the 60s when he was a bachelor and a kind of massive party animal by all accounts and He lived through this house with his wife and his children, and now they're relatively elderly, and they're still living in this this house that was really designed initially as a kind of party venue. They've modified their lives to fit with the house rather than the house being adapted to fit their lives today. And I think that's quite an interesting thing about seeing how design can affect people's lives, but also how people will change their lives to suit design. I think people, when they fall in love with something like a piece of furniture or, or a house, is that they're quite happy to compromise aspects of their life to accommodate these things that they've fallen in love with. And I think that's probably true with your personal relationships as well. I mean, you fall in love with someone and there's always going to be a compromise. And I think that's human nature. That's all we have time for on this week's edition of What Moves You. We'll be back again next week when we'll meet one of the world's leading gallerists, Sadie Coles. Until then, thanks for listening. Mm